Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Hey, welcome back to Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in need of a long-term financial plan. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're here today. We're going to talk about some of the cliches of the programs of recovery. Uh, Before we get into that, I did want to mention we now have a Facebook page. Uh, We just finally broke down and made that up this week, and it's I don't know what a Facebook page is really supposed to look like or, or be. And, and so it, whatever, it's a picture and it's called recovery sort of, obviously uh, we could not use our parentheses. Not that anybody ever uses parentheses anyway, when they search for us, but feel free to go on Facebook if you're not already and, and, you know, be on the page. We're going to post the stuff there so that we can share it from there. It just makes it a little more unified for people. Um, and of course, we've always on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, anywhere else you do your social stuff, I think. Well, not anywhere, but a lot of places you do your social stuff. And so we wanted to announce that. That's kind of exciting. There's a Facebook page. It's really not that exciting for me, honestly, but <laughs> it's there and it exists. So whatever. Um, just a little recap from last week. We did get a message on Instagram from Share. Um, which uh, I say share, it's share.selfhelp. Um, and they're kind of on a mission to like spread the word of recovery, which is awesome. And so they asked us if they could like link to our podcast to, they have a, what is it called? Fellowship Friday? Yes, Fellowship Friday. And they expose people, you know, to new fellowships that they may not be familiar with. And so they asked if they could link to our post or our podcast about recovery Dharma. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, uh, sure. That's the whole goal for people to listen. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty cool. So that felt neat. I was like, damn, did, did they listen to us? Cause I'm on there talking about like putting our logo on people's bras and panties. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> did they listen to this episode before they wanted to link to it? Or I don't know, but that was cool. Uh, yeah. and then Stephanie, our friend, Stephanie, um, message us too. just she was listening to the episode about politics and and in the program and and how that looks and all that kind of stuff um and i was telling her that was like my least favorite episode to record ever but she was just <clears throat> she said that was one of her beefs with the program you know that she felt like we talk about these principles but we talk about them for an hour in the meeting and then it just doesn't seem like they get lived all that often. And I was trying to think about that a little bit. Like, 
look, I damn well sure don't live this program perfectly, right? I come home, I, I have some anger from my childhood. I, you know, my kids don't always get the best side of and patient, you know, loving father that I'd love to be. Um, but I, I do my best to try to practice these principles in all my affairs, right? It, it doesn't come out. I'm super angry when I look at some shit on Facebook sometimes, right? When I encounter differing opinions, but most of that stays in my head, right? Most of that stays with, Hey, I'm angry, but I really want to pray about this and figure out like why I'm so angry. Why is this my angry reaction? Why can't I be more tolerant of people having other opinions? And so I I get why people feel these things, but I, I do kind of agree with her. There's a lot of people I see on Facebook that it, they don't look like they're spouting a whole lot of spiritual stuff outside of a meeting. And I, I'm just like, what kind of program is that? Yeah. And I think part of it too is, you know, it is a big fellowship made up of a lot of people. Um, and I always kind of say, you you can find what you're looking for here. And if you're looking for controversy and you're looking for the hypocrisy and you're looking for the guy that comes in and shares great in the meeting and then walks out the door and cheats on his wife. Like you can find all that it's here. That's for sure. There's plenty of that, but Shots there are fired. Also, Shots yeah. fired. I feel attacked. There are also really good people who are living quality spiritual lives that are, you know, really doing their best to be the best versions of themselves. And, and of course, every level in between, I mean, I'm giving the two right. extremes, but you know, if, if you, are just honest about any situation. It doesn't matter if you go to a church. It doesn't matter about, you know, your workplace. Like there's going to be those people everywhere you go that are hypocrites and assholes and, you know, say one thing and do something else. Like those people are part of the world, no matter where you go. And it's not just because you walk through the door of an NA meeting that all of a sudden, you know, the complete nature of people is going to change. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, but there are very good, spiritually sound, um, spiritually healthy people within 12 step groups. And if you seek them out, they're not that hard to find. I think you make a, a really excellent point there. Um, it kind of just hit me in my soul a little bit and gave me chills that, yeah, these people are everywhere. Right. I, I tend to I use things as I don't want to say harshly an excuse, but sometimes an excuse, a, a rationalization, a justification, right? I use things as a reason to do what I feel like doing a lot of times instead of the other way around. Instead of doing things because of the reason that I see, I have a feeling of what I want to do, and then I find reasons to fit that. Um, and, and the truth about it is, like, I can get judgy and say, these dudes aren't practicing principles or blah, 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 this isn't love or whatever. The real deal for me is if I am not up to date on my, you know, spiritual treatment on my medicine that I do daily, if I don't do this regularly, I am that piece of shit. Like that's what yeah. I know about my life. I'm the jerk. Yeah. I'm the guy spouting all kinds of opinions and intolerant and hating on people. And so really, uh the you know since we're talking about cliches today, but for the grace of God, like <laughs> here I am not being that jerk today. Thank God. Right. And, and that stuff goes the other way too. I mean, you think about, you know, what, what I would say most people or a lot of people complain about Christians is a hypocrisy that you see 
you know, what seems to be a lot of the hypocrisy in a lot of Christian churches. But the truth is I have met some of the most loving, caring, compassionate, helpful people in Christian churches as well. So those people exist too in those places, you know, it's, Hmm. there's just varying degrees of people. And if, you know, if you're only looking for one type of person, that's what you'll see, you know, and you'll ignore all the other evidence of what you're not looking for. Isn't that funny that in 2020, we have to explain that there's good people in church. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, what you just said makes me think of that whole Mr. Rogers quote where he talked about like when he was young, his mother said, whenever you see a tragedy in life or in the news or whatever, always look for the helpers. And Mm. he said that that always stuck with him. And he always found that there were so many amazing people doing great things, kind of like with the tragedy that's going on now. You hear about, you know, the people of all colors out there helping to clean up after the riots for no good reason, except just to be the helpers. Right. Or I'm sure there's plenty of other examples of helpers in that situation. That was just one that jumped in my head because I'd heard about it and saw a little bit about them cleaning up uh, Minnesota. Yeah, my wife pointed that out a few years ago. It's like, you know, you got to kind of, you got to even watch paying attention to like just the news, you know, because they tend to give you a lot of bad information. And it'd be nice if we had some news or some whatever, some feed maybe through our Facebook that's feeding out like some positive stories or some positive things. And, you know, as, as much abuse, neglect and trauma is happening in the world, you know, there are these helpers that you're talking about, you know, there are these counselors and organizations and people that go above and beyond to try to step up and, and help people that do, you know, wonderful, amazing things. And, you know, it'd be nice if we talked about that stuff a little more in society versus just the tragedy. I think you just, uh, you might've just given me my next resolution to <laughs> when I've find myself thinking that everybody is being a jerk or bad or negative or, or not practicing spiritual principles. Maybe I need to become the helper in that situation. Then maybe that should be my goal from now on. Um, I'll come up with a cliche for that at some point, but not right now. (laughs) So, uh, generally really positive feedback, uh, from a lot of different places about the recovery Dharma episode we did last week. People seem to really enjoy learning about a new modality. I think it helps that Jenny is so, you know, bubbly and, uh, filled with personality. That was definitely a big assist. Um, but people really liked hearing about it. And so we've reached out and we have some people, there's a smart recovery, celebrate recovery, SAA, marijuana anonymous, which I had never even heard of. Mm, I heard of that one. That's a new one. So, uh, you know, oh, we haven't figured out exactly how often we're going to do these episodes focusing or spotlighting another recovery modality, but I am definitely super interested in doing more of it. I, I, Honestly, just my curiosity factor and learning about different things. Like I want people on marijuana maintenance. I want everybody in this. Fucker. I want to talk to everybody. How the hell does this shit work? Yeah, me too. I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating. And just to tie back into the last point, you know, we're all people kind of on a journey of this recovery thing. And it's not like you can walk off the streets and all of a sudden you're the next Dalai Lama. You know what I mean? Like it's a process to get there. And some of us, takes a little longer, you know, some people can do it a little shorter. Um, 
But hopefully, if we're all just working towards improving ourselves and moving forward, you know, that's what recovery is about. So there's a cliche I heard when I got here that I don't hear anymore about people who came around and got really uh, holy instantly. Right. And they talked about going from the crack house to the convent. I don't ever <laughs> hear that one anymore. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that one. There was another saying, too, that was very similar to that. And I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. It was from somewhere to the choir, maybe. I, I don't know. But it was definitely like the whole idea of you were living like, you know, crap on the street, shooting some puddle water and now, you know, eating out of trash cans. And now here you are and everybody's got to follow the rules and, and do the right thing and nobody can sin. And like, what? <laughs> so what we're going to do today, the big cliches episode, uh, we... We had this idea. I wonder if I can even. Yeah. Okay. So I made this list December 26, 2019 was my last edit on this list. And so sometime before Christmas, I made this list uh, about our cliches. And we kind of thought we wanted to do an episode about it, but we weren't really sure when or how or what we wanted to do with it. And we've had some other interesting topics, obviously. Um, and then Stephanie had messaged us a while back and mentioned you know, doing an episode about that. And it kind of sparked our interest again. And we found ourselves without a topic this week. So it seemed like a, a perfect topic. So we're going to go through some of the cliches we've heard in the program. Uh, and we're going to discuss maybe what they mean, if they need to be clarified, I guess they all could probably use to be clarified. And maybe, I guess if we can, we'll try to tell people who aren't in a program what they could possibly mean in normal life if they don't regularly apply. Like in yeah, or maybe why they're useful to people that are addicts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll try to figure out a way to explain it. Let's not forget to do that. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then we'll say if we like them or not, or, or whether they're useful or not, or because there's plenty that aren't. So I, I have no idea how many we'll get through. We have a fuck ton of cliches that I have gathered. I'm really hoping that after we put these out, people like bring their best cliches to us, and we get more. Because I, yeah, I give us the good ones. Yeah, I want never-ending cliches. <laughs> and I'm sure since a lot of your meeting experience was down in the city, you've heard a ton more than me being up here in the country. So <laughs> I don't know. So I will say, I like, this was probably, God, I don't know, a really good amount of time ago. I was doing some weird Google search for old cliches because I couldn't remember a lot of the ones I used to like, and I don't feel like I hear them as much anymore. And I found this page and it was all these people commenting like their favorite ones. And it was a great thorough list. And I could not come across that page this time looking for it. Um, I don't know if that website doesn't exist anymore. It was weird. It was like some website where people were all commenting in. Um, and so I, I drew a lot of these off of websites. I didn't remember all these on my own. I forget most of the cliches. Yeah. That I used. Like just for today, that's about all I got. Yeah. <laughs> So did did you want to start with yours? I know you said you had a list too, or do you want to just start where I'm at? And no, we can. Get, I mean, if you got a bigger list, you might cover some of mine already. So okay. So the first one on the list is first things first. What do you think about that shit? <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, immediately it doesn't sound very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, what the hell does that even mean? Like first things first. You know. Um. Yeah. I get it. I, it makes I'm me think to, that, I'm trying to apply it in a sentence or apply it in a situation. 
So I, I'm thinking, uh, and maybe more of these than I realized are like obvious cliches. Like we say some obvious shit. Like if you don't pick it up, it won't get in you, right? There's, there's yeah. So I think first things first is one of those very much in line with like uh, keep it simple, stupid. I think it's very much a, like you're getting way ahead of yourself. You're just hey, first things first, right? Don't don't use today. That's the first thing. Then what's next? Okay, well, maybe hit a meeting tonight, right? Uh, what else? Well, how about, do you, have you called somebody from your network? Maybe that's a good idea, right? It's it's like a slow down and take this one step at a time kind of approach instead of, because I, I know me, I, I'll make, you know, I start making lists in the beginning of the morning when the first guy cuts me off going to work in traffic. And then that list just builds throughout the day. It's like, well, the guy cut me off in traffic. And then I had to stop and get gas when I didn't really have time. And then this happened. And then they overcharged me. At the, and it's like, I, I don't let the list go. <laughs> Got So maybe so I is first down. things first, though, isn't that like a normal, like, isn't that a cliche that normal earth people say too? Uh, or is that really know. just recovery? I don't know. Do they? I feel like Earth people should already know that first things come first. I feel like we need extra <laughs> reminders. <laughs> we need reminded. <laughs> yeah, you guys need reminders that you know number orders are for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I would guess normal people probably use that too. I guess we're we're not. Uh, we don't have a monopoly on all these cliches. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, what do you I'm, think? Is it it's so bad. It, it seems pretty, like say, it seems almost obvious. It, it doesn't seem overly helpful <laughs> you know, to me. It just seems pretty obvious. I'm wondering if we should have had somebody that was relatively new on here with this episode, like somebody with like four months, and then we could run some of these by them. And maybe like, I feel like this is one of them ones with it. At four months, this would have been like mind blowing. I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Oh yeah, all these cliches. First, things first? <laughs> damn. It would have seemed so impactful. Right. Well, and this is an Earth person saying. I say all the time, my wife hates it. I say it is what it is. You know, she hates that thing. <laughs> really? What does that even mean? It doesn't even mean anything. Like it is what it is. What is that? It does. Like, it means so much it, more. It oh, does man. to me too. I'm like, I hope it's that's on my list. It's almost like powerless, you know. It's like this. It's reality, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna put that. Uh, it is what it is. I'm putting it on the bottom of the list. It's probably already on there, but just in case, I definitely want to make sure we cover that because I love that saying. That's my favorite. Yeah, me too. All right. So first things first. Uh, I guess it's useful. Maybe early on, I- I'd love to hear feedback. I don't really have a, a huge opinion about it. I, it's helpful-ish. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the next one, this is definitely not uh, one of our sayings. Live and let live. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's not something we came up with. I think that's a Earth people. Yeah. Kind of. Um, and that's another one of those people say, like a lot of cliches people say, so I tend to not like cliches just in general. So when people say them, I feel like they're easy ways to people for people to sound like they're deep and meaningful. <laughs> so, so a lot of them I don't put a lot of thought in, like what they actually mean. So now I'm like, all right, live and let live. <laughs> like, I guess that means just do what you're doing and let other people do what they're doing. Is that 
it does but this is interesting so i'm i'm right there with you i am trying to look at these and like i generally know okay yeah live and let live you know let other people be who they are but i'm looking at it more today and deeper like should we never ever say anything about how others live like if you're a person who thinks that what's going on right now is perfectly fine like you know people are angry and of course they're going to riot against systemic injustice in their community um should people who believe that looting is wrong just not have any opinion about that and let it be or conversely if you're a person who thinks that looting is terrible should people who disagree with you just let you have your opinion that it's terrible and okay cool you got your opinion i got mine let's move on hmm. i feel like we do a lot of arguing about it yeah is that what that means live and let live i guess well, I, I tend to think of it more with people's actions, but maybe it's more also with people's opinions. Maybe I just need to let people's opinions. All right, cool. I disagree. No big. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's good advice, I guess. It's good if you can do it. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So hard. Well, okay, yeah, I would, I would say I, I mean, just for... I think that's useful. I think that's good. Uh, live and let live. I just don't know exactly. Is it just letting people live? I've always looked at it as actions, I guess. And I, I'm kind of weirded out today thinking about it and letting people have their opinions. I guess. I mean, it doesn't really. You can think what you want. You're not hurting me with your opinion. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's like feel Letting go of that feeling that you need to convince everyone that you're that doesn't agree with you that you're right and that they're wrong, you know, mm. trying to change everyone's mind. Like, you know, I could just let you have a different opinion that doesn't agree with me or think something different than me. And, you know, I don't have to. What do they call that? Like defend my hill, you know, to the death kind of thing. <laughs> like, right. I just let it go. <laughs> Which I like, I like the concept. I like to live that way. You know, that's the way I try to live. So it's very much in line with the uh, the book I'm listening to about anger. It's called The Anger Trap, and talks a lot about not having to force my way onto others, and you know, just being assertive for what works for me, and then moving on with life, like not really dwelling on it. Yeah, right, which I'm again for early recovery is probably, uh, you know. That's probably like a wow, you know, you can do that. <laughs> right. right. These concepts were definitely mind blowing when I got here. I've been wasting my whole life trying to convince everyone I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's here's the next one. Let go and let God. Mm. What does that mean for you for a guy who does not really yeah, know that to me is pointless. It's useless, <laughs> you know. It's nothing. I mean Again, I'm not a person that feels like, you know, there is a God that actually does anything for me. Like there isn't, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like the turning it over. Like, you know, people say, oh, I got to turn it over to God. Like those are like, I don't understand what, what do you expect to happen when you say that? (laughs) So, okay. uh, But we had, 
we did an episode on step three and and we talked about turning it over what i don't remember what do you do when you turn it over then so for me that's an action that puts no uh what do you call that like no uh expectations on god to do anything so uh turning it over means like i'm gonna not act on my uh what i would call my nature my self will and i'm gonna act in a spiritual way so for example you know you're my neighbor and you come vandalize my car well what i want to do is go vandalize your car back but instead i'm going to practice you know acceptance and forgiveness you know and maybe go to the cops instead of taking justice into my own hands something like that where i'm gonna i'm gonna try to practice a more spiritual way of living versus living what i would call my will um to me that's what turning it over means but that doesn't put any expectation that there's like a higher power that's going to have some divine intervention into the situation and fix it for me um nobody tell billy but i'm gonna vandalize his car and see if he <laughs> turns it over or not it <laughs> doesn't mean i won't be angry but you know i guess this uh this saying is is similar you know like let go and let god like what i mean i i guess that like to me that almost sounds like does that mean do nothing like hmm so uh, about a situation that's overwhelming to me right i i'm weird i'm thinking about turning like when i think of turning it over it's generally i turn over the outcome like i do the best I can for the situation and I let the outcome be what it is. It is what it is, right? I don't mm -hmm. have to judge it or, or I don't have to try to control and manipulate to get the outcome I want. I can turn over the outcome to just be whatever happens. That's what I think of when I think of turning it over for the most part. I don't have to fight against outcomes. Um, let go and let God. I don't know. I feel like I hear this in turn or along with the the other statement of like, what, what is it? Uh, pray as if God will do all the work, but do all the work as if there is no God or something like that. Like, I feel like there's a cliche or a saying around that. What is it? Like, I, I don't know. It's something along them lines. It's the idea of like, you're you know, you have faith as if God's going to do it all for you and you can lay in bed and not move, but do all the work as if God doesn't exist at all. And so it's almost like kind of, like, I guess that's a best of both worlds kind of thing where you're putting in as much work as possible, but also living in the belief that, you know, the, the universe is on your side. Maybe it is what it is is the atheist version of let go and let God. <laughs> so that's why I like that one so much better. I feel like that's better. You know, it is what it is. That's I like always. <laughs> for See, I equate it is what it is. I wish Jenny was here. I equate that to like a, a Buddhism thing, right? Because yeah. I like to put my judgments of, you know, this is good or this is bad on all these situations in life. And that saying to me is, you know, very Zen. It's very, it's not good or bad. Like you're giving it a qualifying good or bad. The situation yeah. just is right. Like your car running out of gas isn't good. or It's bad. Your car runs out of gas and it's, 
you know, negative 40 degrees outside and you're stuck on a highway 50 miles away from home and freezing, car breaking down is bad, right? Uh, car breaks down and you, a girl stops to help you or, you know, let you use her phone and she changes your tire and you end up marrying her and being married for 30 years and being happy. Now your car breaking down was good. So like basically the car breaking down was neither good nor bad. And so I look at it is what it is as one of those, the car was broken down. That's it, right? It's not good. It's not bad. Anything, any value I give to it is my own shit. And so that's what I've always thought of that as like a very Buddhist Zen, like it is what it is. It has no value on its own. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm trying, yeah, now I'm trying to think of when I apply that. Now, now I got to think of situations where I would use that saying. <laughs> Uh, that's what I was trying to do with the let go and let God. I'm like trying to think of situations where I've heard people say that, you know. Um, and what I usually think is like, of course, in meetings. And I think typically what when I hear it, it's like when there's some sort of tragedy or some bad thing has happened, you know, and people say, oh, I just got to let go and let God, you know, maybe the death of a family member or something like that. Um hmm. I was thinking like a job interview, like somebody being nervous about a job interview or, or nervous after a job interview about whether they'll get the job or not. And say, hey, just just let go and let God, right? If you're meant to have it, you will. Oh, it, that's terrible. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> See, but, and and that, I guess, again, back to the, like the, the atheist twist on that. So that makes it feel like, you know, oh, well, if God thinks you're worthy of this job, you'll get it. But if God thinks you're not, you're not going to get it. You know, <laughs> no. if God thinks this job is worthy of you, you'll get it. And if not, he won't give you this crappy job. He'll save you for a better one. And if you still have to stay unemployed for another six months, guess that's just God's will. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> All right. So there, there's yeah, not I, a fan, not a fan of that one. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say this, and, and I'm not against the let go and let God concept. It's I'm not a huge fan of that one either, honestly. So well, fuck that cliche. We can get rid of that one. Strike it yeah, from the books. Like as individuals in recovery, we really need to like I don't know, I hate to sound too whatever rah rah but like we gotta own our power you know what i mean like mm. we gotta take some responsibility and step up in our lives and and not just you know poo poo things to be like well i tried and it must not be in god's time and all that stuff you know that's i mean whether true or not it's not fucking helpful what's helpful is all right i gotta get back up and try again i gotta keep going i gotta do the next right thing i gotta keep moving forward you know i can't sort of get wishy-washy on myself. I got to try to take as much power of my life as I can. See, and that's interesting because I have never looked at like the, the God stuff as disempowering. I've always thought of it as, as empowering. It's kind of like, Hey, uh, because I believe in, in not so much fate and destiny. I hate those words, but in fate and destiny, honestly, uh, like 
I wasn't meant to have this job and I can trust in that and have faith that this wasn't the one meant for me and that one will be meant for me and I'm just going to keep on trucking with it, right? Like it doesn't feel like, hey, it's time to shut down and go lay in my bed for two years because I didn't get the job. It's like, nope, okay, that one wasn't the one I was supposed to get. I'm going to trust in that power that's going to guide me to the right one and I'm going to keep doing the work and then that power is going to come through in the end one of these times when it's supposed to, like, I don't, I don't know. It's so so interesting to, to see the different, you know, one seems disempowering into the other. It seems very empowering. I think that's kind of back to that whole pray like you don't have to do any work, but do the work like God doesn't exist kind of concept. Yeah. Huh. yeah. All right. Time takes time. Oh, Jesus. First things first. Time <laughs> takes time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I've never actually heard that in a, yeah, in any, I don't know that I've, no, I mean, of course I have to think about it now. I'm not familiar with that. I've heard there's, there's no substitute for time. Um, I, I think I have heard time takes time. I think it's, a like, I tend to want things in an instant gratification way. I don't know if that's a human trait or a, or a us trait, um. I think it's a human trait mostly, but we probably blow it out of proportion, right? Like I, I want, I want to retire with all my retirement benefits yesterday. Um, yeah. On the first day I worked. Especially now we're on like a fast food existence nowadays. I mean, you order uh, shit from Amazon, you expect it at your house the next day. You know, like, so I will say this. Door. <laughs> I will say this. I normally don't live like that. But I did order something Thursday or no, what was yesterday, Saturday? I ordered something Friday and it was like three different things. And after I was done the order, I don't even think about when they're getting delivered. I'm like, I just want it. It'll get here when it gets here. And then right after I hit the the order button, it was like, these packages will be delivered tomorrow. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I've had it say that before and not be tomorrow. Right. So I was like, yeah, whatever. The next morning, not even 24 hours after I ordered this shit, I got a notification on my phone and there was a picture of my goddamn porch, which was creepy, by the way, just somebody took yeah. a picture of my porch, but they were out there. I was like, holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah. That's like, I don't know. That's a wild shit to me. I do a lot, a ton of ordering stuff for work, like parts and, you know, supplies and things like that. And, uh, we do a lot of online ordering and it's, you know, I can order, there's certain places I can order stuff from at like three o'clock in the afternoon and it'll be at our office delivered by like 10 o'clock the next morning you That's know, incredible. without paying any extra shipping. Like it's not even extra shipping or anything. And, uh, nowadays, like if I go to order something and there's like a Monday and they say, this will be here Friday. I'm like, what the fuck? And I start looking other places to see who's going to get it to me sooner. Like, you know, it's just, that's, that's what I'm used to now. That's funny. So time takes time. Uh, I think this is crucial for, for the instant gratification world that I lived in. Like when I got here, I had, you know, 10 days clean and was wondering why my my family couldn't forgive me and give me a house key when I had just spent, you know, the last seven, eight, nine years, like wrecking their life, stealing from them, being a, a menace to society. And now I don't understand why people won't hire me and give me, I'm a good productive member of society now, damn it. With my 10 days clean, like, and I needed to be reminded that, Hey, 
there's no substitute for time, right? People over time, if you just continue doing the next right thing, they will trust you again. And if you just show up for work day after day after day, hopefully they'll recognize that and give you a raise. And, you know, if you don't feel very good after a breakup, if you just sit still long enough, that will feel better. Like it, it, there's no, you can't speed up this process. You can't bypass time. Yeah. It's a poetic thing. It, I mean, it sounds really nice. I like it. Say I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying, I've never heard it. So it's, it's know. another, <laughs> it's a first things first. Uh, you know, it's a not really profound, but time takes time yeah all right here's one of uh well i won't say one of our favorites but i you know so the other fellowship that we always like to talk about um they say one day at a time and that's where we're at now one day at a time and i feel like we struggled so hard to not take this with us when we left them and we're just for today. That's what we'll say yeah. instead of one day at a time. I don't think you can avoid one day at a time. It's, it's almost like too cliche to not bring with you. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, just for today, that's, I guess I'm just so much more used to hearing that. Cause that's um, what they use in narcotics anonymous. But I, I think that's incredibly helpful and useful and i hate hearing these sometimes like i hate the fact that they get said so much but it is really true you know it's i deal with today i deal with what's in front of me i do the best that i can and you know maybe make some plans for later but i can't live next week or next month or next year i gotta you know be you know it only really matters what i'm doing today Right, right. I I mean, this helped me immensely when I first got here. The idea that I couldn't use ever again was too much for me. Like that just I, my entire life had been using and I was willing to entertain the idea of not using right now, but forever. That nah, I don't yeah. know about all that. Right. Uh, and so I, I needed this. I'm like, <laughs> I don't my fuck. Who knows? Three years from now, I could have terminal cancer and decide, fuck it, and I'm eating mushrooms out in the woods somewhere. Who the fuck knows? You know? Right. Right. I ain't doing that today, though. <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the psychedelics do, you know, still entertain my brain from once in a while too. I'm like, uh, maybe one day I could, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I needed this in a grand sense back then. But yeah, I, I think I need this saying as a reminder regularly now too. I think you're right. It's not, I can't do, you know, this upcoming difficult task today. And so what am I going to do? Spend my whole day worried about it and angry about it? Like I can't fix some situation I acted terribly in three weeks ago. So, I mean, I really need to live in today. That's the only place I can affect any change in my life and be anything different, right? And so the whole one day at a time, like, I just, it's so true. And and, and just for today, I guess they're kind of like the same saying. I don't have to do, I don't, I don't know. I, I think they're a little different, honestly. I think just for today might be saying more kind of what you were just talking about. Like yeah. I can... I just okay. stay in the moment, right? But I think one day at a time can help me to like 
do one little right thing at a time when I break that down, right? Almost like what I've found is when I do something, it doesn't matter really how wrong I live <laughs> when I get outside of my program and principles. There will come a point where I'm miserable, but the the way out of that misery is just a couple next right things. It doesn't take many, right? It's one or two, and then I just start feeling better when I'm taking some positive right action. And so I feel like that's what one day at a time kind of reminds me of is the the whole next right thing, which is another cliche all in itself. I feel like you, you say one cliche and you start saying four yeah, things. Right. <laughs> right. And then you sound like the next convention speaker when you're right. rattling well, cliches. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> a couple of plus words in there. Um, yeah. And I guess I tend to use the just for today in that context, which is probably for me why it fits more in place of the one day at a time. It's like, I'll use that. Uh, if I'm trying to like not act out on, let's say a defect of character, or if I'm trying to, you know, not give in to one of them impulsive things, you know, I'll say, all right, you know, just for today, I can just do this just for today or, you know, one day at a time, I cannot do this thing. Um, that's how I tend to use that probably most often nowadays, you know, whether it's, mm. you know, I'm, upset and want to freak out on my kids or leave my wife or quit my job, you know, any of those emotions or feelings that come up in a big way. It's like, all right, you know, I can do this today. I don't know about tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll pack my shit and leave, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll put in my resignation, but today I can show up and do the next right thing. No, I think you're spot on with that. I, I'd say that's exactly how it works for me too. You mentioned two of the situations that do it when my wife and I have an argument and, and there's just that really intense feeling of like, I don't know how to fucking be here with her. Right? <laughs> right. Minutes, right? And, but, but I don't live in, I don't know how to be here with her this minute. I live in how the fuck am I going to do this for 30 or 40 more years? Right? <laughs> and, and just for today brings me back to today. Like I don't have to do this 30 or 40 more years. Like, let me just walk away and, you know, go do something else for an hour. And the same with, with my daughters, they're getting to be, you know, teenagers. And it's like, there's times when I'll interact with them and it's so frustrating as we all know, obviously to interact with a teenager. And I'm like, how in the fuck am I going to make it through five kids at some point in time being teenagers? Like how <laughs> it just seems overwhelming. And it is overwhelming to do that right now because I can't do that right now. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I, I think the the whole just for today, one day at a time can keep me in that moment of, uh, you know, I just got to do this tonight. Like it won't always feel this way. Yeah. And, and most recently, I think I've been applying that towards trying to get back into the swing of exercise and like healthy habits. Like, you know, I've been getting up in the morning, going out to run and it sucks. I hate getting up early. I hate running. I hate all of it, but I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do this for the rest of my life. It's just, you know, one day at a time. I'll just get up today and worry about today. And, you know, eventually I want to get, you know, to doing a 5k and doing these other things, but I can just do, you know, just do what I need to do today. <laughs> I've been, I've been running 
I don't know why. I hate running too, but apparently now I don't hate running because I actually kind of looked forward to it the other night. I was like, "Ooh, I get to run tomorrow." I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, there's parts of it I don't completely hate. I'm just, I'm still kind of in shock because I've never thought of myself as a runner, and the fact that I've run these. I mean, I've I've run five miles now, and I've run six point two miles, and I run three point one at least twice a week, and it's like, damn how like uh, i remember <laughs> thinking if i ran a mile i'd probably have a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i would say for this cliche this is one i like and i use um i probably don't say it a ton but it definitely is one that i use say to myself that i use for myself on a regular basis and i don't know if i'm doing an injustice to the one day at a time versus the just for today. Cause now you got me thinking, are they really the same or are they kind of different? So. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, that's a good, I don't know. I know the one day at a time is much more popular as a hashtag on social media. So I use yeah. it frequently for that. <laughs> oh, see, I, and I don't use that at all. <laughs> see, and, and here's the interesting thing. So honestly, I've always thought of just for today as a really terrible, like, uh, off brand one day at a time, like my whole recovery. I'm like, fuck, we got stuck with the shitty one. They got the good one over there. Right. They, yeah. they got the Cheerios. We got the fucking O's, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. Now that I look at it, I kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say I like it better, but I like it differently. I think they're different yeah. a little bit. And see, for me, this is a, it is what it is thing. Like it is, you know, I have no, <laughs> I'm not married to either one. If we said the one more in our fellowship, then I'd fucking probably say that. And I really don't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the spirit behind it that's important to me. You know. I gotcha. So man, we have yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have like 48 cliche episodes, obviously, because we're like half an hour in and we've hit five yeah. of them. That's hilarious. Let's take a quick break here and uh and we'll we'll do the voices and then we'll we'll come back. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Uh, I did want to make mention. Oh, we got a. I meant to say this to you too. We got an email about somebody advertising on our podcast. I was like, really? I think they were. It was like a treatment center in Southern Maryland somewhere. I didn't. I didn't put much stock into it honestly because I was like, why would you want to advertise with us? Yeah. <laughs> Have you listened to me talk about putting our logo on people's underwear? <laughs> like, what's right. wrong with you? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was interesting. Um, yeah. so I think some of these cliches, you know, obviously might 
be from not all from our program, uh, which is maybe why we haven't heard some of them as much. But the, the next one, I, I clarify that because the next one is one I don't really hear very often. It sounds like it's from the 60s. Uh, is your program powered by willpower or higher power? Hmm. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't yeah. heard that one. We're going to have to get somebody who's got like 40 years clean to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they, and just in different regions, they say different stuff, you know, different regions of the country. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's kind of like, uh, you know, soda and pop and Coke. Yeah. I guess, what, what would our version of this be? Uh, Self-will? Self <laughs> Self-will or God's will? Yeah, will probably. Willpower or higher power? Now, this is a I think it's a little different. I think they're saying willpower is in the sense of are you trying to stay clean on your willpower alone or, you know, are you counting on your higher power to help you stay clean? I think there was a big emphasis when I got yeah. here that willpower was never enough. Yeah. Well, doesn't it say that in one of our readings or literature? Willpower alone is never enough. I believe it does somewhere. Um, Where is that? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, actually, it's not a bad saying. I've just never heard it. I absolutely despise it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, I don't think I use it. I just. <laughs> is your program powered? I just feel like who's who's going to like, what kind of terrible cartoon voice do you need to say a saying like that? <laughs> is your willpower program higher power? Like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> I can't imagine ever saying anything like that. So no, I would never say it. It's great, but scrap it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> back to the drawing board. Um, cultivate an attitude of gratitude. So I don't know if I've ever heard cultivate, but I've definitely heard, you know, the need for an attitude of gratitude. Obviously they rhyme. So that makes that a nice little saying. Yeah. Um, I hate it as a cliche, although I do tend to try to be a person that stays grateful, you know, um, and this may be on your list. I always tie it back to like the grateful addict they'll never use. Uh, that's kind of one that I tell myself. I don't know if it's true, but I tell myself that all the time, <laughs> so, you know, like because I think, you know, gratitude and a positive attitude towards your life and just you know, being grateful for what you have is really a good place to start. You know, it's, it's my, uh, fear and self-loathing and, and, uh, depression that like sucks me back into wanting to use. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, you know, the idea that addiction is a core of self-centeredness and, and isolation and, you know, uh, pity parties and, and all these type of things definitely are the things that make me want to use something to get outside of myself and not have to sit and, and wallow in that. Um, I'm just thinking very much, uh, God, I, I almost think every cliche is going to come back to it is what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm picturing like an attitude of gratitude, right? And I'm picturing... 
you know, my belief system, and I know this isn't everybody's, but very much uh, the the concept of the yin and yang, uh, there's positive and negative in everything, right? I get to choose which part of that I want to see at any given point in time. Um, yeah, some things don't seem like they have positives in them, and some things don't seem like they have negatives. I get that, but I, I, I don't think it's that simple. That's not my understanding of the world. I think it's all pretty even, right? And and again, kind of going back to the whole car breaking down situation, like how an event affects the following events in your life can affect whether you label it good or bad, and your idea of whether it was good or bad can change based on that, right? Uh, I remember hearing a friend of mine, Rhea, talk about she went for a job, but she didn't get it and that was bad. But then because she didn't get it, she ended up applying for this other job that was better and got it, which made the first job not getting it good because she never would have applied for the second one. And just, and it was weird. Like the story went back and forth like six times about one situation and how she kept relabeling it. And it was like, damn, was it any of that? Um, and so from that, to get back to the point is like the attitude of gratitude is really looking at the situation and picking out the positives in it, right? Because there are positives and there are negatives. Kind of like uh, with this quarantine, I feel like we were given the option. We could look at all the shit we're missing out on being able to do. Uh, and we still can, right? Like, look, I I get the feeling that my vacation this summer is probably not going to happen the way I had hoped it would happen, if at all. Um, and that could seem very negative that way. I won't get to go on this fun vacation with my family that I had hoped for. Uh, or I can do my best to pick out the positives out of the things that have happened. My life has slowed down. I haven't had to rush to sporting practices and games all the time. I've had some quality time with my family doing some different things. I started running like, you know, I get to pick whichever I want. And so attitude of gratitude is like a reminder to like, Hey, there's positives in this if you want to look for them. Yeah. And and I guess I use it kind of like that, but a little differently in that like there are there are gonna be bad situations that happen in our life. Um, they're gonna come up, you know, bad stuff. Some of them can be pretty minor little things, but in recovery, you know, I've had to deal with some pretty major like losses major tragedies and to be able to say you know these tragedies happen and they suck maybe there isn't a good side to them but i have things in my life that i can still be grateful for you know i still have my recovery and my health i'm still clean i'm not using um i still have you know friends and family that love and support me i still have you know a, a home and you know, food and shelter and things like that. And I can lose perspective on how, one, how many people don't have those things in their life. And two, how at times in my life, I didn't give a fuck about any of those things. I didn't care that I had a family that loved and cared about me. You know, all I cared about was getting high. And if you weren't a person that was trying to help me get high, which at that point my family wasn't, you know, then fuck you. I got no time for you. You're useless to me. And not really understanding like what a fucking miracle blessing that is and how many people don't have that in their life. You know, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, I just we had an anniversary at my home group the other day and a guy talked about how like he 
his parents got him high for the first time. And most of the drugs that he ever did for the first time were with his parents. Mm. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I can't even begin to understand what that is. I had parents that loved and supported me and tried time and time again to help me and get me into recovery. And I still was resentful at them for some fucking reason I can't figure out, you know? And now it's like, wait a minute, you know, you need to be grateful for that shit. You need to look at those things in your life and just reinforcing those areas of my life that I have to be grateful for have helped me get through, you know, the loss of my mom or, you know, when our children, you know, my daughters were abused and stuff like that, because there wasn't good things that, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, my daughter's got sexually abused. That's great. There's some positive lining there. No, there really wasn't a fucking positive lining in that situation, but I had really other uh, I still had things in my life to be grateful for to help carry me through that hardship and that suffering, you know, and, I, and it was, you know, just that my family all showing up and being supportive and helping us through it, and you know, being clean so that I could show up to court and to talk to police and, you know, that I was a person that could be taken seriously and that I wasn't some piece of shit who they could just dismiss and say, oh, well, whatever, we don't care about what you have to say because you're a using drug addict, you know those kind of things and that you know being grateful for where i was in my life um not for that situation but for the ability to get through it i excuse me i don't want to uh in any way belittle your pain or your feelings about that situation um i've never been through something like that and i and i I don't want to try to pretend that I can understand or know what it's like to go through that. Um, And so I want to preface this statement by saying that because I want you to know that I totally respect how you feel about it and and what you went through. Um, I guess. And feel safe. My feelings. So you're good. (laughs) Just I I trust you. So you're safe. (laughs) I know you said there's no positives. And when you brought this up, the whole concept of going through life, a situation where that's tough and there isn't a positive. I, I kind of had a feeling this was one of the ones you meant. And I guess I look at it and, and again, this is much easier from a guy who didn't have to go through it. Right. Cause I can't imagine how painful it is, but if you were to encounter a guy who used in the meetings and he felt a lot of shame about being a terrible father, cause he wasn't available to show up for his daughter that got molested. You are now the guy who can help him because you've been through it. And I know that's a shitty ass reason to have a positive for something, but without it, you wouldn't be the guy who could help him who could. Right. And so I, I don't know what that situation leads to in the future for, for the benefit of you or your daughter or how that changes your life or makes you who you are. But I, I personally, and my belief is that when these tough things happen, we do, there is some positive to it. It might not be something we recognize yet or, or, have the ability to see, but I I do think there is some kind of positive. Yeah. And so I would say, yes, I agree with that, but I would never, you're never going to get me to say that I'm grateful that that happened. (laughs) You know, like, yes, I I mean, and, and luckily for me, you know, I'd say luckily, I don't know. That's a fucking terrible way to say it, but I know other people have been through those situations. You know, I know other people have had to deal with that stuff 
you know, clean and, you know, have made it through it. Um, so there are positive examples out there. So, you know, I can be grateful for that. I wonder if some of those people were in like struggle points in their recovery and then you reaching out to them to talk about that kept them clean that day or something. I, I just, I, I don't know, you know, my, my brain in the universe, but I, I think we definitely overwhelmingly agree that I don't know why we don't use cliches that often, uh, personally, but attitude of gratitude seems to be a great one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. I mean, like I don't use it, but I do like it. Right. So the next one, uh, this almost seems like the opposite words to say the same thing. Misery is optional. Hmm. Misery is optional. Attitude of gratitude. I guess it depends on what you mean by misery, but um, yeah. Because, I, of course, I, I want to say pain is optional, and I don't agree that pain is optional, but misery, I guess, is a little I, – I guess I'm, a, I'm using misery as like a prolonged sense of suffering is how I would – Yeah, it kind of goes back – and I, we might have brought this up on here. Something we read about suffering equals pain times resistance, and so I think this ties very much into that. Like pain is inevitable. But the suffering part, the misery part, is when we multiply it by trying to resist it, right? By trying to not have it happen. That whole, I can't tolerate it, I'll fight against it until it, you know, that's where the suffering comes in, is the ability to accept it and, and move forward. We kind of don't have to be miserable about it. it still hurt. Yeah, yeah and, so, and now I'm going into the optional. So is it is it optional? So I... Hmm. I don't know that we're powerless over misery. Um, there are things that we can try to do. I mean, I guess, okay, so is misery a feeling? Misery. Is it a feeling? It's a state, right? Not really a feeling. It's more of a state. You yeah. are miserable. You don't feel, well, I guess you feel miserable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think of it as a feeling. I tend to think we're powerless over feelings. You know what I mean? And you could, you could, you could take all the right actions and still feel miserable, you know, and I'll just equate this. And this hasn't been my experience personally, but you know, I know people like have lost a loved one and they've, you know, really struggled with that, really suffered with that over a long period of time and, and tried to get through it and tried to get through it. Um, taking positive actions, but still not finding relief. And so if you're calling that misery, I don't know that that's optional. Um, and I'll just, you know, just say, like, I think back to my sister lost her son. Uh, he was 17. He was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. Guy was high and drunk and, you know, uh, killed him on the highway. And she went through quite a few years of depression and anxiety and, you know, she did a lot of positive things. She went to counseling. She started, you know, support groups. Um, she got on medication. Um, but I would, if I had to describe her during that time, she was seemed pretty miserable for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, So 
and again, it wasn't like she, I didn't look at it as she was doing nothing about it. She was taking positive action. And now she's better. You know what I mean? Now she's really kind of done some moved, you know, what I would say beyond being miserable to where obviously she's upset she lost her son and that still has a heavy impact on her life. But she's been able to deal with it in a healthy way. But it took a lot of time for her. Mm. I, I can't. I can't even imagine. It's one of my biggest. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, one where I got to remind myself frequently just for today or one day at a time. Like that's not my situation yet because I can spiral out of control thinking about one of my kids and their personality and how they're definitely going to use and yeah. Oh God, where they're going to die. And I can't, it's hard to live with that. Even the thought of it. So I don't, I don't think I would, I would have to say, I don't agree with misery is optional. I like the the sentiments. Good. You can do, you're not powerless over it, but you know. So I would say, uh, feelings aren't facts, right? I've heard that before. There's another good cliche for you. Feelings aren't facts. (laughs) Um, and then I've also heard that every feeling comes from a thought first. And I've tried to argue this and I, I didn't win. Uh, so I think depending on how you think about something definitely affects the way you feel about it. If I say, uh, you know, wow, this is going to go somewhere awful, but, uh, uh, to a woman who grew up watching her mother, you know, maybe get, uh, abused by a jealous husband, she might believe that means that that's what love means, right? If if you don't get jealous and, and fight over me, you don't really love me or, or something along those lines. Like that thought inspires the feeling that goes underneath of it, basically. Whether it's right or wrong, healthy, unhealthy, it doesn't matter. And so I'm looking at the situation about death. And one of the things I had read before was uh, to a doctor or a nurse, death is failure, Right. To a friend or a relative, death is disaster. But to the soul, death is a relief. And so when you look at it that way, like each one of those people is having a different feeling based on the same event, based on how they think, right? So if I'm close to somebody and they die, it's going to hurt me. People die every day that I'm not close to, and I don't think anything of it. And so the way we think, I think, depends on our feelings. And so maybe changing the way we think can change our feeling level of misery. I guess. But isn't that why how cult leaders get so much power? They just put a bunch of bad fucking thoughts in people's heads and get them to to feel like they're doing a great thing when really they're crazy people blowing them up because of comets coming or whatever, you know. After they drank the Kool-Aid, their misery was optional. (laughs) So while as I would, I guess, yeah, feelings come from thoughts, but it doesn't mean they're good thoughts or healthy thoughts. I mean, they come from really bad thoughts. And so sometimes really bad thoughts can lead to really good feelings and, you know, vice versa. Really good thoughts can lead to really bad feelings. I mean, I think – the fact that that's a truth doesn't really help much. What we need to do is figure out how to connect healthy thinking to healthy feelings. <laughs> well, I guess 
I guess so. If we go back to the situation of your sister, and I'm not trying to to fix your sister because you know grief over something that huge can take a long time, and so I I don't want to say her misery was was optional, but time takes time. Time does <laughs> take time. As long as she was doing first things first, she probably <laughs> yeah. made it through. <laughs> Maybe her misery came because she was trying to do second things first. Yeah. She forgot to let go and let God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, if there was some way she could have. Maybe if there was a different belief system in place inside of her about, you know, looking for the, the gratitude in situations. I don't know if that helps in that extremely tough situation or not, but it might have shortened the misery. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking when I talked about the, the I'll say bad thinking. I don't mean this to to bash people that believe in afterlife and all that stuff, but there's plenty of people that believe when you die, you go to heaven. It's this great place. There's no suffering. You'll be reunited after death and all that stuff. And so that brings a ton of comfort to that situation or can, if you really believe that, but is getting someone to believe some stuff that there's no real proof for scientific basis to. <laughs> I was waiting to see how that hurts. Yeah, is, is that, I mean, hey, we can relieve your suffering by convincing you of some things that sound really nice, that sound really good, sounds really great. You won't feel so bad about this terrible situation if you just believe this line of thinking. Like, okay. <laughs> so why don't I just convince myself all kinds of dumb shit and make all my feelings go away, you know? Oof. Oof. You, uh, have, I, I don't, yeah, I think you just called believing in heaven dumb shit, but I will. <laughs> I didn't mean to link those two. What I mean is I could, you know, I could convince myself that, you know, I'm in an abusive relationship and that physical uh, violence against me is good. It builds up my strength and makes me a stronger person. And so therefore this abusive relationship is, is good because it makes me stronger. You know, it's like, well, that's a fucking terrible, that's a stupid thing to believe, you know? Mm. So I wasn't trying to say that Christians are stupid. I'm just saying you can take it that far. You can I take it you. to some place that, you know, you can convince yourself really bad ideas are good for a terrible situation that that bad feeling and that bad uh yeah the bad feelings are what's going to motivate the healthy change to get the fuck out of that position that's really interesting because i was sitting here thinking if it's comforting why not believe in whatever like especially if it has no effect i was thinking of the heaven thing when you were talking about it and i'm like i mean i I can't say I personally believe in the the idealistic Christian heaven, but if it's comforting, why the fuck not? Like, sell that to everybody. Yeah, sure, oh, heaven. I'm kind of jealous of those people. I wish, I mean, I, and I don't mean this in a sarcastic way, but I just, I wish I could sell myself on some of those things because I think it would be a much easier way to accept a lot of situations i am just such a cynical bastard that i can't just let go of my overlying need for science and rational reasoning and and you know scientific proof like you know i wish i could because it would make some of that stuff way easier to swallow in life that's incredible because our next cliche is don't be a cynical bastard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I. So when you were talking about heaven, I'm like, we should sell everybody on this. This is yeah, fucking yeah. believe in whatever makes it comforting. But then you talked about the whole abusive relationship, and then it doesn't make sense anymore. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't buy that one. <laughs> so now I don't yeah. know what to say. Hey, I get why religion's so popular. I understand why people, you know, are are there. It's there's a lot of comfort there. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, what I'll call rationalizations or excuses for misery and a promise of something greater and that all this suffering and turmoil and things that you're going through now are meaningful and purposeful and that there's this peace and utopia waiting for you on the other side. I mean, that's a fucking great sell, you know, like it, that's a big sell. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you ever look into any podcasts or, or, information written information it doesn't matter how you get your information but information about why people join gangs why people join religious cults why people join the taliban like it's all the same kind of reasons you know they were missed out. They, they missed out on some kind of love their life was pretty miserable they were oppressed already and then somebody sold them something that sounded better uh than that and so pretty easy to buy in when that's what you're living um yeah. <laughs> Right? Isn't that the <laughs> what is it? The uh, twenty-seven virgins. Isn't that what you get for killing yourself if yeah. you're a Muslim? I yeah. mean, that definitely sounds better than some of the days I've had. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <clears throat> my my best day with twenty-seven virgins is definitely better than my worst day. You, I don't, I don't even know how, where I'm going with that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the next one on our list. So misery is optional. Unsure. We'll leave that as unsure. Uh, God never made no junk. I don't know if you've heard this one. This definitely feels like an urban city saying to me. Yeah. What do you think uh, of it? God never made no junk. I've heard God doesn't make mistakes. You know, I've heard it that way too. Similar. Uh, I, it's meaningless for me because I don't know that I believe that there's a God that makes anything. So I. <laughs> I think that is so crucial to this podcast is that we're both not believers of something. Well, <laughs> I don't, I think we're both believers of something. I just think yeah. neither of us are believers of, you know, the Christian version of God. Uh, you are pretty much not really a believer explicitly in any kind of God. And I just have this weird, you know, fucking ghost universe phantom god or something i don't know what the hell it is uh but i think that's actually really useful for our conversations i've talked to some people who who listen and say that they appreciate that we're not you know just kind of writing things off as like oh that one's god that's took care of that like we kind of try to explain it in different ways more so you really than me i'm still kind of in the fate and destiny clan uh I've tried for so much of my life to just chalk it off to God. It's so, <laughs> that would be so easy. <laughs> God never made no junk. Uh, so what do you think? So, so our God, now we're really going to get fucking serious here. Are we just a happy accident? Humans are a happy accident. Just evolution just fucking happened. And what the hell? Now we know we're alive. Like, um, I don't want to debate that. Yeah, accident. I don't know. Accident. I mean, nature happens. Things evolve and change and grow and they'll change in a thousand years from now. We're not going to look like what we do now. You know, if you look 
back at people a thousand years and five thousand years and ten thousand years ago, we were completely different than what we are now. And another ten thousand years forward will be different. Um, but I guess I would venture to say that cliche could be incredibly helpful. There is a large percentage of population that are believe in that do believe in creationism that are Christian that are, or different faiths, you know, I believe Jewish is also creationism and uh, Muslim. There's a version of creationism. So, you know, it's very helpful to people that believe that. And I think it's, you know, it's a good saying means, yeah, nobody's useless. Nobody. I mean, I would just say it in a different way that doesn't involve God. Like I don't think any life is useless or worthless. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some debate to that. I mean, there's some definitely some serial killers out there that some people think their lives would be pretty useless or worthless. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not religious. So but I think it's a good saying for people that are religious. If we could just have an attitude of gratitude about the serial killers, we could find (laughs) (laughs) find find the silver lining to the guy that killed 37 people. Yeah, there's got to be some. I mean, you help somebody somewhere in his life. You know. I mean, did some of those 37, maybe they weren't the best people? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, well, I don't. Jeez, now we're getting a little vicious. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, okay, I, I I don't use the term creationism for myself because I, I, I don't know. The idea of like, you know, poof, the magic human appearance seems a little strange to me. But... I like the idea intelligent design, right? Just the concept that the complexity of the human body and, and any animal body, really the complexity of all the inner working systems and cells and just how it all works seems way too intelligently designed to be an accident. That's, that's where I come from. I don't know what that means. If that means that like, the intelligence was just, hey, I'm going to form it to work this way and let it evolve into whatever or what. It just it seems too well worked to be an accident, I guess, is where I come from. So I don't know. So but if Just people or all of nature, like kind of everything. Everything seems yeah. too intelligently designed. It all fucking works together. It, like it's just works too perfect. I don't know. It just seems like somebody really, really fucking smart had to figure all that out. Yeah, but what about like the dinosaurs like they worked perfectly for a while and then they didn't anymore and they went away <laughs> and you know our like, time's coming something <laughs> new came because something you know so i don't know our time is coming we will <laughs> yeah. too go away <laughs> yeah uh i don't know i guess so even in the sense of not believing in god i Okay, so God never made no junk. What about uh, nature? You said nature, you know, is the evolutionary path. Like, nature never made no junk, right? Like, everything seems to have a use and a purpose on Earth, right? The the trees give us the air we need back, and the rain system cleanses water, and, like, all these different things seem to work perfectly. And so we can extend that whole natural evolution concept to people too like we're all here for a purpose because everything else is here for a purpose like the bees make honey that keep us alive and blah, blah. like everything serves a role right right and so each person yeah. would also have to 
not be junk. Like they all have to serve a role. Well, that depends. So if you're looking, this is just my take on it. If you're looking at things from the big picture, I would say, yes, that's true. But if you were to ask me, is every individual lion that ever existed, has there ever been a lion that we would have been better off without? I would say, eh, probably not. Probably a couple of those lions that could go fuck themselves and we'd be better <laughs> off, you know. But I don't think that means we should wipe out all lions altogether. So, you know, our people or humans or whatever, like we're here and we're whatever, useful, I guess. Maybe not. Maybe we're fucking destroying the place, which is probably more likely. But, you know, we're here and we're doing what we do. But are every single one of us ever more beneficial to the world than we are harmful i don't know about that i could probably find some people that have probably done more harm than good <laughs> oh my goodness if you're listening to this podcast god never made no junk people you're not junk <laughs> <laughs> oh no i don't think people are work and i think everyone has a potential to be better you know i think everyone has you know everyone can be worthwhile worth useful you know all that stuff i just don't think some people choose to be or you know are given given enough opportunities to be you know i i don't know man i i mean even even like the worst of humanity sometimes is what's needed to bring out the best like yeah, people maybe. aren't motivated to run outside of their house and and protest for human rights when everything's going well, even though, okay, not everything's going well, but when things aren't as bad, like we don't run out and protest the, the situations in some of the inner city neighborhoods, you know, that are unfair and unjust normally, but then a terrible situation happens and then we do. And so like, maybe even if your purpose might be to bring out the best in others, I, I don't know. Like It, it all seems yeah. relevant. But I don't think people are junk. I don't think. I definitely don't think that. <laughs> That's good. So That's I good to know. People are not junk. <laughs> like, right. So not not God never made no junk, but people aren't junk. Damn it. Yeah. There you go. I will say, uh, and, and this just could be, you know, over the last twenty years of the world and society, it does seem like we've moved away from a lot of these maybe more Christian God religion type cliches. Like we don't say them, maybe we don't believe them as much either, but we definitely don't say them as much in a meeting. I'm, I'm not hearing people say like, God never made no junk. Nah, not that I can picture. I don't know. Yeah. Don't hear that very much. Okay. So moving on to the next one, we'll look at humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Have you heard that one before? Is that a regular from Cecil Cain? I have. I Yes, I've heard that, and I really like that one. I think that's good. I think people have a very uh, bad understanding of humility, and it is an incredibly helpful uh, principle to apply definitely in, like we talked about with some of the other things, like the live and let live concepts. Like it's – me having some humility in my life allows me to let other people have an opinion that differs from mine and not feel like I need to be right or they need to be wrong or 
that they're stupid or that I'm stupid, you know, like, right. it's just, you know, I am a person with a brain that thinks and I think this way and you are a person with a brain that thinks maybe in a different way. And, you know, that's humility. It doesn't mean I need to think that what I say is of any less value than what you say or that I have to devalue what I say so that you can have a different opinion. Like, no, I can still hold strong to what I believe and be okay with who I am and what I am and allow you to have a different opinion. Yeah. I, so I think I really loved this when I first got here for sure, because it was, uh, I didn't, I, I honestly had no fucking clue what humility was. Nobody was out, uh, you know, on the street corner <laughs> talking about, Hey, where are we going to get this humility today? Right. That, right. that was not, uh, what we were talking about. And so I, when I thought of humility, it sounded a lot like humiliation, uh, and that entire concept. And, and I had been through enough humiliation. I felt like in my life, I didn't want to be humble, uh, in that sense. Right. That's what I thought it meant. I just thought it meant I was going to have to be some groveling subservient person. Um, and so to understand, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. I didn't have to think that I was worse then, but thinking of yourself less, right? Just thinking of me less often because presently when I got here, I was the only concern ever all day long. And, and right, that can very well still hold true today if I'm not conscious of it, right? I can just go through my day thinking about how all my day's events affect me, not how any of my decisions will affect those around me. Uh, I have to actively work a program daily to consider other people. Um, and so I, I guess, I don't know. I, I look at it from that standpoint. I think it's helped me greatly to consider other people and step outside of myself and try to, it's, it's kind of what I come to with the whole, you know, when we talk about the riots and everything going on right now and people are complaining about looting. I, look, I don't think, I don't personally think looting is a great idea. I don't think burning down establishments and breaking the law is a great idea. I don't, right? But for me to think I have any idea what it's like to be black in America is really not a humble state for me to be in, right? right. Like, I just right. don't think I have the ability especially after some of the, the education I've gotten on some of these topics and discrimination and how it still goes on. And, you know, it's very prevalent in, in some places or everywhere. Uh, I just, I think it would be really unhumble of me to think that I have any clue what it's like for, for people to go through that situation. And so it's not just, I, I guess when I heard this statement early on, I was like, yeah, thinking of myself less often. That's a great way to look at humility. But now humility has taken on such a larger piece mm -hmm. in my life. And it's more about like an honest self-appraisal. Like, hey, these are the things, the areas I don't do so well in. And these are the areas that I usually do pretty well in, right? Uh, if you ask me to share a meeting in three years at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, I'm going to fucking be there most likely because I do well <laughs> with that. If you ask me to be patient with my five-year-old when he's crying about it being bedtime, like it is every fucking night, I don't do so well with it, right? And so humility just means so much more to me today that I almost dislike the saying because I think it's very limiting to what 
it doesn't give a full definition of humility from my understanding. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Humility has become one of my favorite principles, you know, in, in my life, one that I'm really glad that I found through this process of recovery because I didn't have it when I was using, and I was probably the opposite of humble. I, like you said, I only thought about myself all the time and never thought about how I related to the rest of the world at other than how it served me, you know? And, uh, and I thought I was, you know, smarter than everyone else deserve more than everyone else. And, and similarly, like I was a, you know, entitled fucking white guy, you know, with no understanding of race or anything, you know, that had the typical, you know, fucking white guy, you know, ideology. A lot of times that's like, Oh yeah. If you just uh, listen to the cops and do what they tell you, you won't find yourself getting beat up by the cops and shit like that. Like that was, that was all I knew, you know, Oh, you just, you got to respect authority and they'll respect you back. You know, that kind of bullshit that, uh, you know, I, and, and I just thought that my limited reality was the reality of the world and, mm-hmm. you know, through recovery and, and through this process of, of, you know, the steps and, learning about humility and learning like my perspective and experience is so limited and narrow minded, you know, most times on most subjects, like I just have a little piece of, of some of these things. And so that I can listen to what other people have to say, try to take on new ideas. Um, and similar to you, like since, you know, being in recovery, I've explored a ton of, of, uh, racial history and and the social injustices that have went on in this country and a lot of the basically racist practices that have existed over time. And it's quite shocking. Like you almost feel like this can't fucking be really how it is in this country. Like this really can't be true. Um, you know, but, but again, through this process of, of, you know, understanding humility and, and like you said, understanding, like, I can't even begin to fucking fathom what it must be like, you know, to be, you know, even a black male my age in the city, you know, just trying to deal with getting stopped by the cops. I mean, nowadays, the truth is, if I got pulled over the cops, I'd almost have a fucking attitude of like, fuck what? You know what I mean? Like you can search my car. There's nothing in here. I got to worry about you can, there's no warrants. I got to worry about. So just give me your fucking ticket and go on about your day. Like I can almost approach the cops with that attitude, you know, with the expectation that the worst I'm going to get is a fine, maybe get arrested and get bailed out, you know, in a couple of hours. But their reality is completely different than that. You know what I mean? Like the reality of, of most, you know, black Americans in the country is, is, there's a ton of fear and they have a, such a different level of, of experience with that situation that their attitude could be very different. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to make the all about race. I mean, I, I like you very limited experience and, and put it out into the world as if it was the understanding of all right. And, and just doing some counseling with women and hearing the things women have to go through, like personally, the the personal experiences that they relate, and it's fucking across the board, 
So this isn't like one or two women. This is pretty much every fucking woman goes through the same shit. And what they have to deal with, with men on a regular basis in being the minority or not the norm or not the powerful having, you know, the power having party is, is atrocious. And you, it's like unfathomable. And you hear them talk about these experiences that have happened time and time again in their life. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Right. right. But this is just what we take as a matter of course. And, and, and I could tell you for years, I said, ah, women have equal rights. What the fuck? Shut the fuck up. Right. right? Like so ignorant to that and, and, and the humility to be able to say, and, this works the other way too, right? I don't want to make this one dimensional. If people are strongly against the rioting, I can't say I completely understand that, but, but the humility to say, I, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you my way is right. Do I like my way? Yes. Do I think that I'm pretty thoughtful about subjects and, and, and learn as much as I can before I form too much of an opinion? Yeah, I do. But does that mean I'm right? No. Right. Like I, I can be humble enough to say, hey, uh, this is how I feel. Right. I'm going to stand up for the side I think is right. But that doesn't mean that I think other people are wrong or, or I'm going to live and let live and let you have your opinion that you know, <laughs> right. we should focus on the looting here and not the murder. <laughs> right. I, I just don't know. And, I, and so, yeah, I, I guess where I would come humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think that is a great starting point for understanding that humility is not a negative. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. So we'll chalk that one up as we'll keep it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll allow it to exist. We'll allow it to stay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, here's a, here's one. And I guess we'll only do one or two more of these. Uh, you know, that's going to have to be the Facebook post this week. You're going to have to have all the sayings with like an X mark or a check mark. Next to them. <laughs> <laughs> these are the ones you're allowed to say now and the ones you got to get rid of. <laughs> does, does Facebook have one of my favorite features ever is that strike through. Do they have that strike through text oh. where you can, <laughs> I fucking love that. Um, Life, live life on life's terms. What do you what do you think of that one? Living life on life's terms. Hmm. Of course, I've heard that quite a few times. Um, I mean, I guess to me that falls right back into the just another way of saying it is what it is. <laughs> like it's life is life. It's going to happen. There's not necessarily a good or bad or you know you just roll with it i i almost take live life on life's terms to be what you were talking about earlier as like the the atheist ver or agnostic version of let go and let god like oh, life on life's terms yeah, kind of, yeah it is what it is fuck it like this is life's terms yeah. that's what it gives you so i and i might even have used this at times i i, I mean i think it's a practical saying i think it's helpful so, okay, in a situation where you wouldn't say let go and let God, what were we talking about for that? Like a death of a loved one or applying for a job? Yeah. Uh, could you, could, do you feel like you, where you couldn't say let go and let God there, you would be able to say, oh, it's life on life's terms. Like, I don't know if I'd say that to somebody who just lost a close loved one <laughs> yeah, but ideology wise it fits <laughs> I mean, right like so, oh man 
Stop yeah. living in that optional misery you got over there. It's <laughs> life on life's terms. You and your optional misery. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I agree with what you said. I don't know that I would say it, but it would, it would fit. That life would fit. on life's terms. I, I like that it doesn't <clears throat> put any qualifying judgment on it. Right? It's not a good or a bad or, you know, or a, for you or against you. It's just, it's just life's terms. Right. We yeah. just, as, as, as an addict, I tend to think things should be the way that I want them to be, you know, yes. and that that old saying, like, if everything was exactly the way I thought it should be, then we'd all be happy and shit would be perfect, you know, and then my life would be great. Is and, that a cliche? Uh, yeah, it should be. Because <laughs> I believe know? in that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, you know, that line of thinking, that way of thinking is what gets me into trouble all the time. Like life is going to happen. It's going to be how it is. And. You know, it's it's life's terms, not my terms. It's not life according to Billy. You know. Yeah, it does. It takes the onus off of anything. Like I, I tend to take things personally, and I think a lot of us do, and that's why that's kind yeah. of a question in one of our steps. Um, and so it takes the onus off of something being out to get me. Nobody's coming after me or trying to make my life miserable. It's like, look, this is just life's terms, right? Life's right. terms of agreement. Uh, if you ever read them, because nobody ever reads the fucking terms and conditions, right? If you would have ever read them, they say everybody's going to have some sucky times and these are yours. <laughs> like, it's just life's terms, bro. And yeah. uh, I, I, I like that it makes it very impersonal. I think that's helpful for a lot of us to just not be so personal. Okay, life's terms. It's shitty. Right. Bad shit happens to everybody. You got yep. get your... <laughs> yep, I like that one. So... Now, see, bad shit happens. To, now you don't maybe not like it. Yeah. <laughs> that fast, it went from this is useful to, man, that's not compassionate. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we can keep it because it makes it impersonal, but we got to we gotta temper that with some compassion, too, I think. Oh, yeah. You got to say it in a very compassionate way, man. It's just life on life's terms. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life's terms are tough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, you can't think your way into better living. You have to live your way into better thinking. Ooh, I think this is a good one to wrap on. This is a, what do you think Sorry, about that? One? I, just got, I just missed that. My wife interrupted me, told her there's a snake she needs me to catch, but I told her I'll be a couple more minutes. <laughs> oh my God. A snake. I want to come catch it. In the house. Maybe it is in the house. I don't know. <laughs> so, Hopefully so it's not in the toilet. Before everyone's going to be in the room here with me. <laughs> um, okay. No, sorry, what was that saying? You can't think your way into better living. You have to live your way into better thinking. Yeah, so this is one that when I hear it, it always confuses the shit out of me and I get lost and I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> too many words. <laughs> you can't think your way into better living. You have to live your way into better thinking. And so, and I probably get it backwards once or twice when I try to say it. So. Right. <laughs> I, I do think that – I think I remember this being very useful to hear at some points in time because I like to – like we do now pontificate and thoroughly, you know, break down everything and think too much about it. And, oh man, how can I get better and, and show up for work every, like I couldn't figure out how to show up for work on time every day 
by thinking about it. Like I had to live it. I had to get up one day. I had to just for today or one day at a time, get up and show up for work one time. And then the next day, the same one day at a time, get up and show up for work one time. And through that process, I started to believe in getting up and showing for work up for work one time because it felt good. Right. Like, I guess it's kind of the, the opposite of the instant gratification. It's like the, the way to combat the need for instant gratification is that I can get up and go mow the grass today, or I can sit here and eat chocolate chip cookies. Well, sitting here and eating chocolate chip cookies feels better. <laughs> right. And I, I can't think my way into going mowing the grass, but yet if I go and mow the grass, over time, I'm going to live my way into realizing that I feel better eating chocolate chip cookies after the grass is mowed because I've accomplished something. But doesn't that contradict the earlier thing about like you, you all your feelings come from thoughts? Like, isn't that a this is almost saying the opposite. This is almost saying you do the actions and the thoughts will follow. Am I getting that right? Yeah. So I think the feelings are based on a thought. The thought is mowing the grass and the heat's going to suck balls, right? Like (laughs) that's where the feeling of wanting to avoid it comes from. And I just don't think we're able to switch our line of thinking by thinking about it. I think we have to live and see the results of that life in order for the thought to change. I get what you're saying. It it does seem like the opposite way to treat it, but I don't think it necessarily... Like I generally believe that saying when it comes to things like having like self-worth or self-esteem, you know, like when I was out using and, and hurting people and living a shitty way, like I felt like a piece of shit and I should have because I wasn't living right. You know what I mean? I was living in a way that was unproductive and harmful to people and hurt people that I loved and cared about. And so, you know, I couldn't just think of my way out of that. Like it took a lot of like, say like the positive actions of like stop stealing from people, stop lying to the people I love, stop borrowing money all the time that I had no intentions of paying back, you know, and I had to start, you know, showing up for family things and being a productive member of society and having a job. And when I was able to do those things, then those feelings of like, Hey, I am a worthwhile person. Hey, I have something to offer the world. Hey, I can be, you know, uh, my life has meaning and purpose. Like those things came after the actions. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a time. I, I, I wonder if this ties into knowing better wasn't our solution, right? I, I come to that a lot. I like to remind myself because I get annoyed with myself that I know better and I still do things that aren't, you know, useful for hmm. my life. And so I I like to come back to knowing better was like, I knew, put I I knew I was not a registered nurse and should not be putting a needle into my vein. Right. Like I I knew this (laughs) full of some chemical that I just bought off a guy on the corner who looked pretty shady. Like this is a bad idea. I had that idea already, but knowing better wasn't enough for me. And so I wonder if that has something to do with not being able to think my way into better living because knowing better is just not my solution. Like, I don't Right. Maybe I need to live it in order to get a better understanding or, I, well, or that it takes action. You know what I mean? Like just thinking about it doesn't 
help anything. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it's okay, but it's the actual mm-hmm. action behind it that makes it meaningful. I was and definitely good thinking about getting clean and doing better tomorrow every day that right. I used. <laughs> right. And I never lived any better. Yeah, right. It didn't change anything when I just sat around thinking about it. It didn't change until I actually, and then once I got clean and and started living that way, it was like, oh yeah, I don't want to use anymore. You know, right, right, interesting. So that kind of brings me to uh, something I, I was just thinking this morning. Like I woke up this morning and I just looked over at my little nightstand and I was like, God, I, I want to like hit a vape or a cigarette or something, right? And now, so I I haven't smoked for five years and I haven't vaped since Thanksgiving last year. So what's that, like seven months or something? And it's not, there's so few moments in my life nowadays that I would ever think that like using alcohol slash drugs would be a good idea. Like that doesn't generally come across as like, man, I wish I could add that back in my life, right? Like I'm kind of, pretty happy that I don't have that in my life. Um, and so it's been like seven months and I'm like, why the fuck do I wake up and still want to still? And and that's what I was thinking after I said, I want you know, my thought was, I wish I had a vape to hit. And I was like, but I don't, I don't like the fact that I used to be stuck hitting it all the time. Like most of the times I had to hit the vape, I was not happy with it. I just want to be able to use it here and there when I want to be able to use it, which is not my life. Like that's not who I am. I don't get to use vapes when I want to, like I I get stuck in doing them all the time. So I just, I can't understand for the life of me why I guess drugs felt easier to just be done with once I was done with them. And now it's like, I think about going back to vaping more than I ever thought about using. I think I, maybe not, maybe it's the same I think it's easier to minimize the harm, you know, Mm. it's like, it's not a, it's not so obvious. It's not as right in your face. It seems more minimal. You know what I mean? It's, it's easier to justify than use, at least for me, you know, the, the damage from using was pretty obvious. I mean, Mm. you're not going to go to jail from vaping, you know, you're not going to probably steal all the money out of the family bank account to vape, (laughs) you know, like, you know, it's like, it's, it seems fairly, I mean, it's annoying. It's a mild annoyance. And obviously there's health impacts or, well, I don't know, we, we that's the, but right. yeah, you know, there potentially is health, but it's, it's so much more minimal than, you know, using um, with the obvious consequences, but I'll say this. So you're doing exactly that. You are living your way into better thinking because by not vaping for the past seven months, you gave yourself the, the freedom or the ability to make a choice. You know what I mean? You weren't just a slave to the choice. It wasn't like that vape was laying there. You've been vaping every day. You want to vape. So you lean over and grab it and do it without even thinking about it. You know, in this case, you've lived your way into a better way of thinking where you can start weighing out the pros and the cons and weighing out, Hey, is this worth it? Is this something I want to do? Um, I think for today I won't do it, but yeah, you've just lived your way into better thinking. (laughs) <laughs> just for today, one day at a time. <laughs> the, the action of having it the few times I would actually want to do it has not outweighed like all the times I won't want to do it that I'll be stuck with it. And so that's right. where I, yeah, I've, you're right. I, 
trying to live my way into better thinking. It's just, it's fucking annoying, right? Because I will, I'll eat dinner. And then, so I, it used to be, if you're a smoker or a vapor or whatever, after you eat, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, like these are these normal times, right? And so I guess I was used to this other flavor in my mouth after I ate. And so I'll eat dinner and then I'll probably have like another plate or, or at least a half a plate. And then I'll have like some little sweet, small thing, like a cookie or something. And then I'll drink a coffee. And then I'll be like, oh, let me chew a piece of gum. I'm like, I just, it's like, when do I stop putting different flavors in my mouth to finally feel done? (laughs) So ridiculous. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we, we did not even make it through the first goddamn page. Um, Wow. We're a little like two thirds of the way through. And so there's Jesus, six pages of, oh man. And the last couple of pages aren't even double spaced. (laughs) Wow. So that's great. We'll we'll have a whole lot of cliche episodes. I don't know if we'll call them uh part ones or chapter ones or, or whatever, but yeah. we'll figure well, that out. We can limit it too. We can look at ones that are like really just things you would hear in like a 12 step meeting. Because you there's some cliches you're gonna hear them out on the road and you're gonna hear them, you know, at work. Somebody's gonna spout them out sometimes, you know, but the huh. it's hard to say anymore. Yeah. I feel like some of the the twelve step ones have kind of like made their way out into the world now, and so I, hmm. I don't I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed talking about them today. I guess if we'll yeah if we have a shit ton of them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was thinking people would give their feedback and give us their favorite ones, and maybe they can do that. But they're probably already on this list. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess in wrapping, we have a Facebook page now, so you can seek that out if you so desire to, um, and that'll be a place to, to share our podcast. Uh, do you got any other thoughts for this week? No, I'm just preparing to go catch a snake, so wish me luck. I don't get bit <laughs> by a snake. This will be the second snake I rescued in a week. <laughs> do you have to constantly hear about how they might be poisonous? I feel like that's all I hear about with snakes. No, who tells you they might be? I mean, I know a lot about snakes. I've had snakes as pets and things like that. So I tend to know most snakes. And so I know which ones are poisonous. There are ways to tell which ones are poisonous, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I think I looked up the the head shape or whatever, but I don't really pay attention. Like if I see a snake, I try to catch it. You look at the eyes. That's it. You know, uh, I've never had got close enough to stare at a snake's eyes. <laughs> if you're around Maryland, there's not very many poisonous ones. There's a few, but not many. That's what I always say. My wife is always like, you don't know if it's poisonous or not. And I'm like, it's like fucking six inches long, bro. And she's like, but they're the ones that kill you because they don't know how to limit the poison. I'm like, what the fuck ever? I don't know. I've just never, she seems overly concerned about poisonous snakes. (laughs) It's not a thing. Yeah, that's what I said. But I mean, in Maryland, how many poisonous snake deaths do you think we have a year? (laughs) I mean, generally, my goal is to not get bit whether I'm catching the snake or not. So I don't really give a fuck what it is. I'm not trying to get bit. Right. All right. So with that, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Everybody stay safe out there. Do what you need to do for your recovery this week. And we will see you next week.